y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 272, I have the privilege of bringing on author, speaker, discipler, Jenny Allen. And in the middle of the night, all those nights, I was a victim to my thoughts. I did not ever take control of it. I never took them captive. I never fought back. And now, I mean, you should see me in the middle of the night if I wake up and feel under attack now. It's like, oh, uh, it's war. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, I'll go in the other room and be like, get away from me. Like, I mean, I am talking out loud like a crazy person because I have a choice because of the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, because of what he bought for me. He bought a way out for me. And we don't have to live victim and captured by the enemy in this. Like, this is something we can fight back with. So the just the idea, just the simple interrupting thought of I have a choice has truly changed this fight for me. Last week, Jenny Allen's book, Get Out of Your Head, made it in the top 10 books on Amazon over all books sold. And I think one of the reasons why is we know we desperately need to get control of the damaging thoughts that are taking hold of us. We know that the mind has been a breeding battleground for the enemy from the garden uh, until today. He is trying to convince us a different truth about who we are and who God is. So in today's conversation, Jenny and I are going to remind you of this battle and that we have victory, that we can choose a different way. So if you are tired of the tyranny of these toxic thoughts taking over your everyday, then you are going to be blessed by this conversation with Jenny Allen. Before we get to it, though, I want to tell you about one more resource that I think will help you as you study God's Word and remind yourself of the truth of who He is. So my friend Katie Orr has the Bible Study Hub, and she's constantly offering great resources, not only Bible study plans, but also just going deeper into the history of books of the Bible. She has videos that help you learn how to study using Strong's Concordance and Greek and Hebrew. And she's such a rich resource. She is a pastor's wife. She's currently in studying herself to get her seminary degree. And she invited me to join her and create a reading plan for some books of the Bible that I read last year, First and Second Kings. And it's a 10-day quick overview, but it goes deep, and she is providing all this extra content. I created videos for every day to kind of help you read along. I don't know if you're like me and you need accountability to be in God's Word, but this would be a great option for you if you're looking for something in February. Join us. The study launches February 10th. It's available anytime, but for those 10 days, we'll be reading along with you, and you can order it now. It's at don'tmomalone.com forward slash kings, plural, kings, or you can go to my show notes for this episode and you can click on the link to sign up. And please let me know if you do. I'd love to be accountable together. All right, let's get to my chat with Jenny. Here we go. Hey, Jenny, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Hey, Heather. It's fun to be here. We've been talking about doing this and it's finally (laughs) happening. I feel like 2020 is my year of finally getting people on that I've been like, I really want to talk to them. I really want to have them on the show. And so thank you. Well, and you know what? I like that we've seen each other in life more than on a podcast. So that makes me happy. So and don't you yeah. feel like that's a trend I'm feeling in my own heart of just a little 
less online, more real life. Yes, real. yes, yeah. yes. So it helps that we're in the same city now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And real relationships is what you're about too with discipling gals and helping them do the same. So yeah, help us out today. With, All right, let's go. With our thoughts. Oh my word. It's yeah. unbelievable. I was telling you, even just getting ready for this call, my brain was so full of an, a ridiculous amount of lies that when I sat down to have a quiet moment, I started writing them out and dumb, just doesn't even make sense. Totally oh, ridiculous. But Well, it's just you, Heather. It's only you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one that struggles. Uh, no, I mean, it's all of us. I mean, our brains are unbelievable. I mean, the research that I did was that we have about 9,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. What? And so there's so many thoughts. And of those thoughts, majority, three-fourths of those thoughts at least are negative. And so that's just science common to man. That's that's all of us. And so to be in this place where there is a recognition that we're really all fighting a lot of negative thoughts and that's, you know, I think for some people they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you start, like you did this morning, noticing them and you realize how toxic they really are and how this narrative is playing in your head all the time that's worse than any bully would ever bring, you know, to your life. And I know all of us, once we start noticing our thoughts, really want them to change. And the good news is they can. And that is Bible. And that is research um, in science, of course, because those two things are often congruent because God did make our mind and he built a roadmap for it. And so the idea that we can change our minds, though, I, I think it might be something many people espouse to like they would they would agree with me and nod their head like, yes, we can change and control our minds. But in reality, we don't do it. And so what is that thing that keeps us from actually living out you know, this war. I mean, that's what I call it in the book because it is a war. And I, in fact, I think it's probably the greatest war of our generation is it's in our minds. Well, the enemy is not creative. He's crafty, but he's not creative. And this was like his go-to technique at the garden. Did God really say questioning identity and, and getting at beliefs? And so for you, as you're even thinking, I want to write this book, it's personal like you said, we all struggle. What did this look like for you? Where was where was the the battlefield landing for you? What what beliefs did you struggle with the most? Well, it was it was big and small, but the big one was really dramatic and it was clearly looking back spiritual attack, but at the time I did not see that or I wish I had. I mean, it was really about 18 months of a struggle of doubt and and it was pretty bad. I mean, I got to a place where it was the middle of the night for me. It was 3 a.m., which I think is true for a lot of moms, especially. Um, we just don't, I don't know, we lost the ability to sleep through the night somewhere with <laughs> three or four kids. And and so when I got to the place of being just in this dark place, it was just these subtle questions. And I, I didn't notice that they were a big deal. And I think that's why I wanted to write the book where there's so many times that these little nagging thoughts of fear and anxiety and insecurity and doubt, we don't think much about them. We don't think that they're dangerous. We don't think that this is war. We just let them exist. And sometimes we barely even notice that they're happening. And so for me, that's, I would say I fell in the category of barely even noticing it was happening. And so what that looked like was I would basically 
be up for about an hour or more asking really, you know, big questions like, is this really worth it? Because I really have given my life, um, my kids' childhoods, like we've banked on the fact that God is real. <laughs> we've, we live that out. And it, you know, and, and I think what, you know, of course, what the enemy did was just go to the core that would disrupt me the most and, you know, give me cancer and I'll, I'll talk about God and cancer and like how he's sustaining me, but take away my faith. And it really did disrupt everything. Well, and to and place this time for us, like you were already in ministry. You were yeah. already. Oh, I was preaching girl all the time. <laughs> like I was out there on the road. Like you'd already gone to seminary. Yeah. 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 No, this was super recent. This was, okay. uh, I mean, I'd say I'm just a year and a half or two years out. So I'm not just in ministry. I'm in very like, public. Gatherings, every, yes. gatherings already been launched. Yes. Yes. Like so full on target on your back. Yeah. What I mean, and I can see dinner? that. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds so silly now that for 18 months I sat in that and didn't say it out loud. And, but I think that's what we've got to know is you're right. The enemy is crafty and put yourself alone in the dark with the devil. And he's going to tell you whatever the heck he wants. Like there's not, there's no way around that. Like that is what's going to happen. And so I did that. I didn't confess. I didn't mind my thoughts. I didn't notice them. I didn't take it seriously. And so coming out of that, one, simultaneously to that, my daughter is wanting to be a neuro researcher. And so she's she is working through TED Talks and books and articles, and we're talking about this stuff all the time. And so when I finally said it out loud, and I began to fight those thoughts, I experienced such freedom from that. Now, let me be clear. The other thing is that was really drastic um, where my faith was under attack for 18 months. And But for many of us, it's just these insecure thoughts. It's like you felt this morning, Heather, and I felt two days ago where I was just kind of in this funk of apathy and just not wanting to you know, plow into the work that God has for me and and feeling discouraged about it. So so there's always, I think, just this quiet, subtle thing. Now, what I believe is that if we don't attack it, if we don't start to talk about it and fight it, then those things do become big deals, you know, and they do start to paralyze you and they do start to bring so much insecurity that that you're guarded with your family and with your friends. And so I think for all of us, we've just, my plea is we, we've learned to take mental illness more seriously, but we also need to take just mental attack, <laughs> like just, just the everyday things. We need to start taking that more seriously because uh, one can lead to the other for sure. And so it matters, but also the small thing of our thoughts is really a very big thing that's controlling our behaviors, our relationships, um, our emotions, all of it. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm feeling just sad for how many public figures or ministers or or pastors or anyone who is having a quiet battle. And then I'm thinking of all these moms who are listening who are having a, a battle and they're doing it alone. So as you're going through this and you have this public ministry and you're having these doubts for 18 months, yeah. did you feel the freedom to talk about it? What what lie were you believing that kept well, you stuck for right. 18 months? So I've thought about that a lot. And yeah. I think the main one I believed was this isn't a big deal or it's not 
it's not real. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fine. In the daytime, I was fine. But what happened over time is that I, in the daytime, I wasn't fine. And once that started happening where those thoughts were coming constantly, I mean, those thoughts would be in the back of my head when I'd be on a stage and talking about Jesus. It'd be in my mind when I would be with my kids and talking about Jesus. Like it, it was just this, it became a fear. And what that fear led to, which isn't surprising, was just a paralyzing fear of death. I mean, I thought about it all the time. I couldn't even watch movies like Avengers. Like it, I was so afraid of death. And so what's so powerful is that, and I love the name of your podcast because it is so true. I mean, Heather, <laughs> it is so true. We are not made to do anything alone. And some of my most isolating years was young kids because it's just so dadgum hard to like pack up your kids and like go somewhere. So mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. it's just everybody's kind of on their little islands of of parenting, which is a whole different topic that I'm working on now about the history of community and what's happened with, you know, villages versus suburban life. Right. You know, I mean, we've right. lost kind of the campfire. And so we are so isolated that we have to fight against that so hard. And when the first time I said it out loud was the most freeing moment. And when I finally did say it out loud, because it had just gotten heavy. It was just one of those burdens of, I just wanted to say it out loud, really. And, and probably what you were doing to cover it up wasn't working anymore. Like, we yes. had all these Oh, exactly. Coping. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. It'd be so great if I was like convicted and then I confessed. No, it no. was more, <laughs> I was weeping in front of people that know me well. And they're like, Jenny, this is a dramatic response to what's happening in front of you. You know, it was more <laughs> like, like I, we your see your crap, like you're called with, on it. Yeah. 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 So it was more of like the, the light was shining and I had to say it. Um, <laughs> but praise God, because once I did, and again, I'm, I'm a pretty transparent person, and I think I would have been transparent along the way, but it just, the enemy's good sometimes, you know, and I think he was with this one. I think he, I, I really think the lie was that I didn't think it was a big deal. It wasn't shame, because once once I was called on, it was I gladly shared it, you know, and brought people into it after that. There wasn't a shame barrier. It was more of just taking it seriously. Well, and you interact with so many people going through legit what we call yes. hard things. And so we compare and we're like, well, it's not as bad as so-and-so or- 100%. No, I'm fine. I'll be fine. It'll be just a phase. All those phrases keep us kind of bound up in it. Oh, that is, Heather, you are enlightening me. This is like counseling. That is <laughs> That was absolutely in my head. I even think about when I did finally share it in the back of my mind, I was like, share it fast because- you know, I don't want to take up too much oxygen in the room. Like there, there yes. is something you're right in our minds that can sometimes tell us like, hey, don't make it about you or, you know, just don't consume a conversation. And, and I mean, let's be real. This was a consuming conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what? Jenny Allen, you don't believe in God anymore? What? Like this was, this was dramatic. And so when I finally like got it all out, you know, immediately my first thought when I got it all out was this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like I I do believe in God and I immediately saw the lie of it. And then the next thought, which was so obvious once it was in the light was I'm under spiritual attack, but I couldn't see that when it was in my mind. And I think that's the power of living in community and saying things out loud, even on a regular basis to our friends. I had to do this this week with my team um, which is awkward. I mean, you talk about doing it in a, you know, I'm just thinking of the people listening and maybe they're, you know, at Chick-fil-A with with all their kids on the playground and doing it there, which I've been there a million times and just saying, hey, I need to tell you what's been on my mind lately. Like I've had all these toxic thoughts. 
It's awkward, right? It's yeah. just a little bit awkward. It's vulnerable and, and it's yes. letting people into a place that you'd rather just not show. Yeah. Yeah. And this week it was with my team and it was like they were all over and we were in prayer. And I just thought, I just need to say what I've I'm worried about right now. And I did it. And of course I cried and and they all were so dear and it brought us so much closer. And I just think we're so afraid of being awkward, yet all of us are craving connection. And the way to connection is always awkward. It just is. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just awkward. And so the way to connection for me has always been <laughs> awkward. But but I think it's always hard to be really truly vulnerable. And whether it's in Chick-fil-A or your workplace or in a small group, it's just it it just is. And so I think choosing that way and saying, these are the lies I've been believing. But you cannot know the freedom on the other side of that. And it is the way God meant us to live. And I do believe it destroys the voice of the devil in such a powerful way because you can see it for what it is if you say it out loud. Mm. What I hear from you and for the gal who is in her own place and feeling like maybe it's not a big deal, but it is changing how she interacts with people. It's showing up. It's spilling out. She maybe can't hide it anymore. There's this moment where you choose that being vulnerable and sharing is better than the way she's been living. What other steps could she take? I know your book is full of them, but to get out of that spiral, which I think of uh, when we did 12-step recovery, that there's a there's a step where you take inventory and you look at yes, your, your thoughts exactly. and your feelings and your actions and how that impacts relationships. It's all connected. And so sometimes we see the smoke and we're like trying to find the source of the fire. So this smoke is is maybe spilling out and infecting our relationships and our behaviors are different. Where do we start? Maybe they don't even know they're believing something. Oh, that's so good, Heather. Yes. So yes, the first thing is to notice your thoughts. So what are you thinking about? And that can look like – I actually have something online that's totally free. It's an anxiety thought guide. And it it's just to help you start to untangle the hairball of our thoughts, right? Because – if we're going to have, let's say, let's say as women, most people listening, which I'm in this category, have 60,000 thoughts, you know, we're on the high end. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot to untangle. It's hard to even, I mean, I remember my early years when I had young kids, you know, pe- friends would say, how are you? And I didn't even know. You know I didn't know how to answer, <laughs> yes, how yes. are you? Like, yes. I didn't Tired. And words it's not an emotion. That. It's not a yeah. thought. It's a physical no, state. No, it's blank. It's yeah. blank. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been thinking about poop and, and <laughs> you know, boobs. And I don't have a thought of how my emotional life is. And if I did, I'm scared of what would come out, right? But it matters because we are – beings who all of this bleeds into each other, right? Our spiritual life, our emotional life, our mental life, our our physical life, it's all tied up in one. God built us that way. And so to disregard any one of those is always unhealthy because we are a being that that is, you know, if we get unhealthy in one area, we're unhealthy, period. It's not, we can't silo off our emotions for five years while we have young kids or 10 years. So it's not possible. So we've got to be people that are taking inventory and aware of what our emotional state is. And that takes solitude, but then that also takes community. And for some of you listening right now, you really just might need a friend that's safe to say, okay, I'm going to listen and you're going to talk for 30 minutes and I'm not going to interrupt you. Like you're just going to talk for 30 minutes just to, to hear yourself, just to know what it is that you're even thinking or processing because you haven't done it in so long. And so 
however you best take inventory, whether that's writing down, I often process verbally. And so that is helpful to me. But for some of you, it might be alone with a pen. But either way, yes, you've got to take inventory. You've got to know what it is you're thinking about. And then you've got to start to notice patterns. And what I always say is find the theme. There's a theme. When you mind map, um, which is part of the book, you start to lay out all of these thoughts and ideas that you constantly are having. Most of our thoughts, about 85% of our thoughts are repetitive day after day after day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. I'm like, we're not just thinking negative thoughts. We're thinking the same negative <laughs> thoughts every day. It's so and that, depressing. And those neurological paths get stronger because we're feeding them, right? Exactly. Like if you go back to your oh, science. oh, yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. We're building little microtubule cities around yeah, them. Like yes. Super it's highways and terrifying. It's I mean, yeah. yes. Yeah. It's physically happening in your brain. I mean, truly, when I say we're connected in all those ways, it's it's largely through the brain. Like you are you are building those pathways. It's right. And so when you start to notice it, though, and the power that the hope is that you can change the same way we get into our mess, our, our dark spirals, we can also spiral back up like there, this that's the power. And that's the hope that I believe. And so, you know, that verse, take every thought captive. Well, the 60,000 thoughts that totally overwhelmed me when I started laying <laughs> the science out and the Bible out. I was like, oh, no, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so the the thought was, what if I took one thought captive? Like I could do that. That's that's how I get through life. Is okay. I can't do everything, but I can do one thing. And so, what's the one thought if I took that thought captive that could help every other one? And it has absolutely changed my life. But it's this interrupting thought that you one you have to notice the spiral, and you have to see this theme that's happening in your life because those sixty you don't have to take sixty thousand thoughts captive. You got to see what's the big idea that you are constantly dwelling on. What's the big city that you built in your brain, right? It's not all the little thoughts, but it's built a city. And what's the city? And what is the one thought that can interrupt that thought? And it is the same. And it has changed my life and is that I have a choice. And in the middle of the night, all those nights, I was a victim to my thoughts. I did not ever take control of it. I never took them captive. I never fought back. And now, I mean, you should see me in the middle of the night if if I wake up and and feel under attack. Now it's like, oh, uh, it's war. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I'll go in the other room and be like, get away from me. Like, I mean, I am talking out loud like a crazy person because I have a choice because of the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of what He bought for me, He bought a way out for me. And we don't have to live victim and captured by the enemy in this. Like, this is something we can fight back with. So the just the idea, just the simple interrupting thought of I have a choice has truly changed this fight for me. If you are looking for a fun way to celebrate spring, maybe a Mother's Day gift, maybe a late Valentine's gift or anniversary, my anniversary is in March, let me tell you about Fab Fit Fun. You've probably seen it around. It is a box with full-size fitness, health, and beauty products. And when I say full-size, I mean coats and bags and bowls. And yes, there are eye cream uh, mask situations and jewelry. But I'm telling you, I use everything in this box. I still have things that I've gotten from a year ago in boxes that I'm using. You're going to want to check it out because if you go to fabfitfun.com and order their spring 2020 box and use the code DMA10, you will get $10 off your box, which takes it from $49.99 to $39.99. And everything in the box is valued at over 200 
$5. Now this could be a really fun, if you have a podcast club, this could be a really fun thing that you do as a club. You all pitch in for the boxes and then you split the goodies, maybe do a white elephant version of uh, splitting everything up. Go check it out over at fabfitfun.com and use that code DMA10 to treat yourself this spring 2020. All right, let's get back to my chat with Jenny. Here we go. And and it's not just that. I mean, of course, when you've got pathways that are built in your brain for months and months, over a year, that's going to take time and that's going to take community and that's going to take confession and that's going to take prayer and fasting. And all of those things were at play for me in coming out of this, but I am free of it. And and I rarely wake up anymore with that being a dark time. In fact, a lot of times that's my favorite time of the day now when I wake up in the middle of the night because it feels sweet and protected now. But it took full on war and it still does, right? And now, now you turn your eyes to what most of us are fighting, which is just those daily insecurities and those daily discouragements and those daily, you know, thoughts like, I don't matter. Nobody sees me. I'm invisible, you know, which is so common. And I think that's the f- fight that we've got to be willing to take it as seriously as, you know, near atheism in the middle of the night for me. We've got to take those thoughts seriously too, because they're also shutting us down. So it's not this isolated, I'm going to fight it on my own. You have people, if you're not ready to talk to your people, like you said, pay attention and talk to God and say, what's interrupting my thoughts? What is that repetitive thing? And I love to ask him, what do you believe instead? And take a hot second to listen, right? Like yeah, you and I have talked a lot about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how we've learned about that in the past and just oh, not- yes recognizing the power we've actually been given to fight from the inside, you know, that God dwells in us to fight that soul space, that messy space of thoughts and emotions and will, and to just allocate that resource even just like say, Hey, (laughs) help me out here. What could I believe instead? So that when that lie comes up, I can pull the new thing. Okay. So let's just go to scripture. Second Corinthians 10, where it says that we don't fight spirit with fleshly weapons. And yes. I think that's the thing I want everybody to hear is we have been throwing, you know, spitballs at Satan. <laughs> you know, like this is, I know this is dramatic, but I think the permission of God was to let it get really dramatic for me mm. to see all of it for what it is, because it's all the same. There are spiritual forces, dark, you know, Ephesians says spiritual dark cosmic forces against us. Like that is what is coming against us. And that the devil is a liar, that his native language is lying. That's Jesus's words in John. So we are up against this. And yet all of us are passively laying down and listening over and over and over again. So yes, what you're saying about the Holy Spirit, this is a spiritual war and we have to throw spiritual weapons at it. And then it says, on down in 2 Corinthians 10, it says that we are given divine weapons that can destroy strongholds. So those of you out there that are like, you know what, this isn't a passive that thought of doubt, or this isn't a passive, this is a stronghold that has captivated me most of my life. Scripture says that we have divine weapons to destroy it. Now, those divine weapons, we've got to choose to employ them, and it's not easy. And so what you said earlier about you know, maybe somebody's not comfortable telling their friends yet. You've got to. 
I'm just going to say it <laughs> yeah. like with all the passion in me. That is one of the divine weapons God's given us is the local church and to have community in our lives that knows us. I'm just going to say right now, I was reciting scripture um, in the middle of the night because my fear of death got so big that I would just recite Psalm 139 because I'd memorized it when I was younger. And I would just recite it over and over. If I go, if I send to heaven, you are there. But also if I go down to the grave and Sheol, you are there. Even there, your, your spirit will find me. So I know that I would just say that over and over again at night. Well, it wasn't until I brought people into the light that that verse got powerful. So yeah. as long as you're in the dark, God's so clear about that. Like if you if you confess your sins, you live in the light. And so you want to be in the light. <laughs> and so you've got to confess. And again, I don't think that doubt was sin, but over time it absolutely became sin. And the rest of the verse in 2 Corinthians 10 is that it, it goes on to say that we demolish any argument lifted up against God. And that's what we've got to realize is these arguments that are being given to us about ourselves, about who we are, about our purposes, about our God, that that ultimately those are the enemy lying and we've got to throw them down. So, and we have the power to do it, right? We have the authority to do it. And so that's my hope and the linchpin of all of this is that recognition that, gosh, I have been believing lies. I've listened to lies. And at first that might scare people like, gosh, there's a devil and I've been listening to him like that's creepy. But then you start to read the verse and you're like, oh, and I win and I have the power and I have the weapons. And so, what you know, I I don't think knowledge about this is scary. I think knowledge about this is power. And so we've we've got to seize that. And you've said confession multiple times. And I just wanted to highlight for some people, they're like confused on maybe what that means. And like, I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I confessing? I think for me, it was helpful to say my belief has not lined up with what is true and I'm confessing that I've been believing wrongly. And it's so it's not like this. Um, if, I think people sometimes think guilt like you robbed a bank and you need to confess that you robbed the bank or you stole some gum or something. It's just aligning with God. And he's so gracious. He's like, of course, I forgive you. But thanks for coming alongside and let's realign. And, you know, I just think it's a powerful tool that often in the modern church, we, we forget. So I'm so thankful you've brought it up multiple times because I think it takes care of that thought in a way that is super powerful. Well, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So right. that's what I, I mean. I view confession as like run into the light naked, yes. like just do it. It's <laughs> awesome. Like I don't hear the word confession and feel like I withdraw now. I feel like I hear the word confession and I'm like, yes, like yes. I want I want to be known. I want to experience that grace and that forgiveness. And it's not that that grace and forgiveness isn't mine. If I don't say it out loud, like we are made right because of the blood of Jesus Christ, not because of our actions. Mm. So confession is not what causes the forgiveness in our lives, right? That forgiveness for those who believe in Jesus Christ, you're already covered by the blood of Jesus. But what it does is it accesses and reminds us of that. And so, and it brings us into the experience of that. As long as we're in the dark, we're we're hiding. That's not living the abundant life God has for us. So again, when I say confession, I just mean bringing things into the light, all the things into the light, whether that's sin or burden or weight, whatever it is to say it out loud. Super helpful. Okay, before we have to go, help a mama out who is maybe like, I really don't know what thoughts I might have. What kind of lies or wrong beliefs did you hold in regards to motherhood? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, I wish. I mean, there are so many times I have like wanted to grab myself 10 years ago and hug that girl. Like Mm. she was so worried. Oh, 
She was so worried. She was so afraid she was not doing a good job um, that she was ruining her kids constantly. I just, I want to hug her because, you know, I'm launching these kids out into the world now. One in college, one about to go. And I like him so much and they like us. And and I'm thinking, you know, we made a lot of big mistakes. And there were so many times I watched mothers like fly past me on the road of awesomeness that I was like, gosh, I'm, you know, starting when they were babies. And, that, that, you know, I I had babies when like homemade baby food was like becoming a thing. I know back in the day it was yeah. a thing. But, you yeah. know, my mom wasn't worried about mushing her own bananas. And, and so... <laughs> But but we, my my peers were and and so when I I mean starting from the time I had a brand new baby I was always doing it wrong I was always doing it wrong and it felt that way and then I get to new problems when they're in school and new problems when they're teenagers and new and so it just was this constant narrative of you've got to be a better mom or this isn't going to work out well and huh, I look back and go you know what they're little humans and what do we all want. We want to be seen and we want to be loved. And that is parenting. That is winning, you know. And even if there are days, weeks that go by because of depression or or difficulty with your job or whatever that you don't even see and love them, if the banner over your house is that they are seen and loved, <laughs> there is winning happening. <laughs> and And I just think God is so kind to take the very most brutal moments of my parenting. And if you were to ask my kids, like, what shaped you most? It would be apologies in our household. <laughs> they would say apologies. They would say the grace to mess up because we were honest about our messing up. So even in your mistakes and your failure, there's gold being deposited in that. And I think that's what I wish I could just hold her and say is like, hey, all these mistakes are actually going to be what your kids learn from the most. And so chill out. You're loved, they're loved, it's going to be okay. But yeah, it is, oh, there's so many, there's so many things. And still, you know, I know we talked about big, bad doubt and all of that with our faith, but still, if you were to ask me, what's your constant thoughts? It's my kids, right? It's yeah. it's that one of them is going to go off the deep end or one of them is going to marry somebody I don't like or what, you know, now it's just new worries. Yeah. So surrendering that and them to God is really the story all along. You know, it was then and it is now. And and yet in that, he's enough. And he's helped me like pry my fingers off of them and to rest and to watch their lives rather than try to control them. And it just keeps getting more fun. It really does. And I think part of that is because my attitude towards them today is is not what it was when they were babies. But if I could give all of these moms listening something to believe right now, it's that it's a fun ride. And watching them become who God wants them to be is a great posture as a parent rather than trying to control it. Super, super helpful. How do you coach them through their thought life? Oh, that's such a good question. You fight for them. And the reason my hope is that so many moms will read this book because my hope is that as they read it, they will not only fight for themselves, but they'll fight for their kids because we have a culture that is fighting for them. And we have an enemy that is fighting for them. And right now, he's winning. And you look at the mental illness among kids, you look at the suicide rate among kids. I mean, this is, this war is getting more fierce and dark. And so we have to be moms that see that, that look past our kid coming home and saying, oh, it's fine. I'm good. 
and we fight for them. And and some of my kids are easier to fight for. They tell me what's going on. And one of my kids is not. And I have to pull out all the big things. Like I have to take her to sushi, you know, (laughs) I have to get her alone, like doing something she loves for like three hours. And then maybe at the hour and a half mark, she will finally drop something, you know, and, and I just, whatever it is with your kid, you just, you know, whatever age they are, you just have to fight for them and do not give up and be that annoying mom. I don't even care that I'm absolutely (laughs) annoying to my child. I'm like, I, I don't care. And I tell her why. I tell her why. I say, I am going to keep asking you and we are going to sit here until you open up to me because I care about what's going on inside of you. And you don't think it matters to share it to me, but I know it matters. Mm. And and I just, I mean, I just fiercely fight for them. I think she's, wa- you know what's happened? She's watching her friends struggle so deeply that she's, it, it's occurring to her like, gosh, this is the same fight I'm in. And so you know, I, I don't think our teenagers especially are confused about how much mental wellness matters. You know, I think they are watching friends deteriorate and struggle to the point of, you know, suicidal thoughts around them. And so they're sober about their minds more than we are. And so we've got to um, catch up because they are they're well aware of the fight and and how important it is. And just equip them. Yeah, equip them, equip them, and 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 I speak truth over them all the time. My kids, praise God, they are in their Bibles, and the reason why is not because necessarily we've trained them to be, although that's definitely been a heart and passion of ours. But I would say it's more out of desperation. Like they go to public school, and they they're like, I've got to know truth. I've got to know it so I can have it with me in the middle of the hallways of that place. I have to know it because my friends are dying on the vine, and I've got to give it to them. So you know, teach them to be in their Bible, give them that truth constantly. I text my kids truth all the time. Whatever you do, I mean, there's not a way. And that's the thing. I think that's what we do as a mom is go, oh, give me the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me the way. And that's why I'm like, no, I'm going to give you phrases like fight for them because then your eyes are going to be warfare, right? Like that's how Paul spoke of it in 2 Corinthians. It was, it was, we're at war, use weapons, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, that's what I would say to all these moms listening is you're at war, your kid's at war. Use whatever weapons you've got, you know, scan the, your life and go, okay, what do they need now? And ask the Holy Spirit constantly, like, show me what to give them. What do they need? Give me discernment about their soul and what, they, what they're what they fighting because they may not tell you. And there have been times that I, I've just called it. I'm like, listen, you are anxious. You are anxious. I see it in your eyes. It's all over you. No, mom, I'm not. I'm fine. Yes, you are. <laughs> you know? And I know some kids, if, if you did that to your kid, they would run away. They yeah. would run away and, and get on a bus. You know, So you got to know <laughs> your kid and you got to know like what's the right way to fight for them. For some of them, it's quieter spaces. It's, and some of them, it's just all out you know, yelling. You know? but, but whatever it is, your kid, find that way. Fight. I love it. Jenny, thank you for being on the front lines of this. This is real important work. So we Mm. are grateful for you and putting yourself out there. You've already done some hard fighting, it sounds like, and uh, for your own thoughts. And so we should acknowledge that. And we will be praying for you as this goes out into the world and you continue to disciple more and more women. Thanks, Heather. You too. Same exact words back at you because you are front lines too. That's why I love you so much when I see you. I just, we always hug tight because I, I there's that knowledge of we are kindred sisters fighting and it's just, it's an honor to be here with you. Well, thank you, Jenny. 
Thanks, y'all, for joining us. I don't know how this conversation struck you, and maybe you're feeling like you still need more help. Of course, get Jenny's book. But if you want to do something this week, here's what I'd recommend. I would set aside a time to just be quiet before the Lord, whether that's early in the morning, during nap time, and in the evening. And I would pray for God to reveal to you what is a persistent thought you keep having and jot it down. And maybe it's a ton of thoughts flood into your mind. I want you to narrow in on one of those, and I want you to see if it lines up with God's truth and ask God, does this line up with your truth? And then I want you to just pray and say, God, um, forgive me that I've been believing this, and then accept his forgiveness. And then Take a second and say, God, what would you like for me to believe instead? And maybe a verse will come to mind. Maybe a thought will come into your mind. And I want you to jot that down. And then going forward, anytime you start to go down the route of believing that negative thought, I want you to stop and choose the positive one you wrote down. And I think you're going to see something shift in you. Um, And maybe you already had plans to do that from the conversation Jenny and I had, but I just wanted to spell it out here as an action plan uh, after listening. I'm going to pray over us. Lord, I thank you that this battle over the mind is not something that we have to surrender and defeat, but that we, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the victory Christ won on the cross, can choose a different way that we can choose to believe something else, that you can even embolden our faith if we are struggling to believe you are who you say you are and to believe in your existence, God, that as Jenny shared, we can even come to you with that, that you're big enough, that you can handle our doubts and our struggles and um, the lies that are plaguing us. I pray for each woman listening and each of her kids that that they could lead their kids through this process too and know um that you are so faithful to provide the truth that we need Um, when we're believing a lie about failing as a mom or failing as a spouse or failing as a friend you are right there with us to to whisper the truth of your provision in the middle of that thank you god for this time that they dedicated to listening i pray that you would guide them throughout the rest of their day and weeks and months and years in jesus name amen of course thank you for dedicating your time to listening today Y'all are amazing, but even more so, you are the best at marketing this show. You share with your mom friends and your friends, and I see your posts on Instagram and Facebook, and you are blessing this ministry so much. But more than that, I know I had two gals uh, come to my door selling magazines this week, and the more we talked, we found out they were single moms, and so I found it really helpful to be able to give them the hope and gospel through the podcast to say, hey, I actually, she asked me what my job was. It was part of the conversation. And I could tell her that I had a podcast and it's called Don't Mom Alone. And I told them how they can listen to podcasts and I was able to to hand that resource to them. And I know you guys do the same. And so thank you because ultimately, I mean, I don't find podcasts via iTunes. I find them from friends' suggestions. And so y'all are the best at that. And honestly, It's super encouraging to see where this show is going and what people are doing and how people are gathering in real life to talk about it. That, to me, is just the best. All right, join us here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. 
If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.